0: All right, cool. Um, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 2. As today, I want to share with you a study called Thriving Through a Pandemic." And so, you know, I don't know if you guys ever think about this. I don't know if you ever wonder about it. You know, uh, was it just a natural accident, this virus? Uh, or was it intentional was it china different opinions here or or was it like our government maybe or was it a political party who had those types of goals on this virus let me ask you a question was it the devil Or, or, or was it god hey there's a lot of heavy questions that we can think of huh at the end of the day we know this that god allowed it god allowed it the devil's not on the throne china's not on the throne government's not on the throne god's on the throne god allowed it and it's a big thing that he allowed and so here's a question if god allowed the pain then there must be a purpose and in one sense in a roundabout sense sometimes it's part of his plan and his plan is good Because he's God. And so what I want to encourage you guys in, whether it be COVID-19 or COVID-20 or whatever it is that you're going to experience in this life, because things get hard sometimes. My prayer is that not only would you survive through the pandemic or through the trial, but that you would thrive. We have to be thriving through these things and so here in the book of acts chapter 2 in verse 42 i really believe that this is kind of how you do it now no matter what the trial is no matter what the future holds this is how you're going to be strong and notice what we read here in acts 2 in verse 42 it's a familiar passage for many of you but it says and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Okay, four things. It's not complicated or sophisticated. Doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. This is what the early church continued steadfastly in. And as they did, uh, they were able to be strong. And It was such an amazing thing that God did in the book of Acts. And so let's look at these four, and then we'll try to bring practical application in the world that we're living in today. Number one, doctrine. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Doctrine is defined as a particular principle, position, or policy taught or advocated from a religion, for example, or government. A body or system of teaching. Now, it's interesting, I got that definition from the dictionary. It's interesting that they would mention God and the government. And and what we find is that the government, man, is trying to indoctrinate you. And so is God what we need to do is continue steadfastly in the apostles doctrine now the apostles got their doctrine from jesus and jesus got his doctrine from the father and so this is very important for us it's important for us to make sure that we're not swayed away in this day that we live in that's pressuring you to be politically correct we as christians make sure that we have to make sure we don't cave into the culture because a lot of times they're completely inaccurate you know the things that you hear from the world first john 5:19 it says the world is under the sway of the wicked one so you're going to hear these voices you're going to hear these teachings they come from different directions and so for us as a church we have to make sure that we are taught by the lord what we're witnessing in the united states of america is what's called the displacement of christianity Now, displacement is an interesting word because what that basically means is that there was a place in our nation uh, at one time where Judeo Christian values actually the structure or fiber or moral fabric of society then not that it was necessarily forced on everyone the, the, the president didn't say hey you have to all be christians no he didn't do that but what was shaped our culture what brought laws and, and legislatures legislation to pass was the the place that christianity had in our nation. What we're now seeing is the displacement of Christianity, just like in Europe. And so with that in mind, you have to understand, you're going to hear a lot of things that are contrary to the doctrine of Christ. We are experiencing right in front of our eyes the secularization of society. And so uh, according to statistics, every 10 years, there's about 15% less church attendees. And you do the math. Now they say there's about 60% of Americans that go to church. It's not much farther down the road should the Lord tarry. Ain't nobody going to be going to church. And so for us as a church, we have to make sure that that doesn't creep in. We must continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. You know, what determines your position on right and wrong? What determines your position on On human life, on marriage, on family, on parenting, on gender, on sexuality, on all those issues. What determines it? For us, we have to make sure that we are rooted in the scriptures. We have to make sure that our doctrine is divine. We have to beware, like Jesus said over and over again, he said, beware of the doctrine of men. That's the last thing in the world that you want, man, is to be following the doctrine of men. Jesus said in John 7, verse 16, that my doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. Jesus received his doctrine from the Father. He gave it to his disciples. They then penned and preserved for us in the pages of scripture, the Bible, the scriptures that we have, which is the doctrine of God. See this book right here? You may think, well, it's a small book. It's an insignificant book. I don't really like it. For some people, they think it's a boring book. This is what you have to continue steadfastly in. You know, not just COVID, no matter what it is that you're going to experience in life. We have to embrace the doctrine of God. We have to beware of the doctrine of men. And the Lord even warned us in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and verse 1, The Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And so we have options, huh? There are doctrines of demons, there's doctrines of man, and then there's the doctrine of God. And so here's the question. How can we distinguish between the three? How can we clearly identify what the truth is? And I think you guys know this, right? Especially coming to a Calvary chapel, you know what I'm going to say that this is how we do it. The way that we can tell what's true and what's a lie and what's a doctrine of God and what's a doctrine of men and what's a doctrine of demons is just by reading and heeding this book, by loving, learning it, and living it. It's not complicated, it's not sophisticated, it's powerful. When you read and heed and love and learn and live the Bible. And that's what the early church did. They continued steadfastly in it. How do you know what's true? You've got to know the Bible. Jesus said in John 17, verse 17, when he prayed to his father, he said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And that's why, you guys, and I don't know, you may think it's weird, but that's why we're encouraging people, read through your Bibles. You know, we can't force you. We're not legalistic. It doesn't save you. It doesn't make God love you more. But I tell you what, there's a safety issue in knowing that we've given you the word and you have it in your heart. And that's why we're encouraging you. Hey, if you can, you know, there has to be some type of discipline. There has to be some type of approach in the scriptures. You know, the class we have today at five o'clock, it's for all those who are struggling. You know, the hospitals, The ERs, they're open because there's a need. Well, the church is a hospital for sinners. The church has to have an emergency room, and we're open. And, you know, the only way, though, you're going to get help is if you come. Marriages are hurting. People are suffering in their personal walk with God, and they're pretending like it's real when it's not. There's a lot of things going on. You know, yeah, we'll do our best to help people individually, but we're just men and if you come to us we'll give you an apple but if we can get you into the word we give you an apple tree but what happens a lot of times is that people need that accountability they need that structure even i do as a pastor you know i have personal convictions uh, i'm never content where i'm at and i tell you what if i can get a friend that i can be accountable to I say, hey, bro, can you make sure that I you know, pray in the morning, in the noon, in the evening? This is what I want to read through. This is what I want to do with my wife. These are my convictions when it comes to prayer. Can you keep me accountable? Do you realize how powerful that is? Well, that's what we want to do. You know, because we understand the reason for these things. This will be your medicine. This will be your counsel. This will be your power. This will be your sword against Satan. This is the weapon of God's word. This is the light in the darkness. This is the truth in the land of lies. This is food for your soul. This is your daily bread. And just, I want to let you know, not that I'm trying to, you know, beat anybody up, but I just want you to know that if you're not hungry for this, then it's because you're filling yourself with junk food. I'll tell you what, you guys. I, you know, I, I love junk food. I really do. I love potato chips. You've got to pray for me on that. And all the sweets. And this time of year, I guess it's okay, huh? How many of you are cheating? I mean, we are just eating like crazy, okay? A couple more days. Thursday, just to let you know, we are having a service on New Year's Eve. We're going to be talking about how to start your diets okay, <laughs> in a spiritual sense, but we will be here from 7 to eight thirty, and so I want to let you know about that, but you know, I mean, I, I wake up or whatever, the day goes on, and I have options, I have my organic oatmeal, I have my blueberries, I have my walnuts, I have my, you know, cliff bars, I have my spinach, I have my romaine lettuce, my tomatoes, and my cucumbers, and my avocados, and my you know, chicken that's or whatever, it's not filled with all that junk and, and I and I that's my diet, that's what I want to eat. But I tell you what, sometimes I don't get to it. Why? Because I'm eating other things. And that, that's the bottom line. That's how this works. And then once you begin to read it, oh man, you just fall in love with God. And that's what the early church did, and that's why they were blessed. You read Psalm chapter 1, and it talks about how that person who meditates in the word day and night, they're blessed. The one who doesn't take their counsel from the world or sit in their places or stand for them, the one who just is there day and night reading the word, they're going to be like this tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, and the leaf doesn't wither, and whatever they do, Prospers. You're like, well, whoa, what is that? What is that, the one who reads the Bible? And that's why I encourage you. And I know it's difficult for some people, but get your Bible and just do this. Open it. And as you open up the Bible, it's almost like you're opening up your heart. And you're saying, God, I believe in you. And you watch what happens. The early church, they continue steadfastly, number one in doctrine, And then number two, in fellowship. Notice again, we read in verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. This Greek word is found 20 times in the New Testament, and it's usually translated that, fellowship. But it's also translated communion or distribution or participation. And just to give you kind of like a feel for the word, It's derived from another Greek word that means partner or associate or comrade or companion. How many of you need a companion? You need that, right? I mean, it's helpful to to know the words that this is related to. Words like relationship, partnership, companionship, even stewardship. This is fellowship. And so when we gather together as a church or when you're with another Christian, Man, fellowship with them. Talk about the things of the Lord. When there's that stewardship, it's almost like your a responsibility to them and for them to do that. It's kind of cool. You know, you get together. I'm not saying that it always has to be that, but a, a large part of your life is that. When you just know that when you get together with this person, that you're going to be praying together before long. You're going to be talking about the ups and the downs and the struggles and You know, how can we counsel you through this? You're going to to be talking about scripture. That's fellowship, and we need it. You know, when you talk about fellowship, you're talking about how we gather together. And I know right now we're living in days where fellowship, it has to be something that's done creatively because we can't get together like we used to. Um, But there has to be at least an inner circle even if it's a smaller circle and sometimes it's neighbors or sometimes it's family and you get together um sometimes the circle is small sometimes it's that you make a call and you call somebody that the lord lays on your heart or maybe it's a text message usually it has to be more than that though and you call and you reach out to them and the next thing you know you're talking about jesus there has to be that fellowship because we are a church. We are a body of Christ. We need each other. You know, when we were singing that song, or whatever it's called, the little brother drummer boy, right? You think about that, and it's a beautiful illustration. It really is. Well, what can I give to Jesus? I can't really do much. All I can do is play the drums. Oh Anthony, do you realize that you playing the drums? Do you realize that what that does to us? And you get someone who's willing to you're willing to serve in the nursery, you're willing to serve in the children's ministry. Do you realize what that does for us? Or oh, you're willing to be a pastor, you're willing to come in, you're willing to clean, you're willing to give whatever it might be, and that's how he worships. And that's what he's called to do, and that's what he's gifted to do, and he comes a long way. He travels very far to be here to do that. That's fellowship. And we realize, wow, Lord, we need this as a church. Every single person has a part. And there's an interesting passage I'm sure most of you are familiar with. I wanted you to turn there, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, and look what it says in verse 24. It says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day, and mine's a capital D, the day approaching. This verse right here, it's a really strong verse regarding fellowship. And, and he talks about, number one, the importance of consideration. Look, first of all, where he says in verse 24, let us consider one another. Well, why do you go to church service? Because of him and because of her. Because I love them and I need to be here for them. I mean, believe it or not, the, the aspect of wanting to come to church service is because you contribute not just, you know, while, while you're, you know, here, but your, your voices as, you're, as we're praising the Lord together, it gets louder and God receives our worship. You know, when we pray together for the Marquisie family or the cousin family whose son died unexpectedly yesterday, when we pray for those together as a church who are suffering or need healing or encouragement or whatever it might be, together, do you realize that, that there's strength in that? You know, afterwards, when you talk to each other, and it might just be one person that you end up talking to do you realize that that might save their life? This is why we come. I mean, there's so much more to it. But, but when it comes to fellowship, first of all, there's that consideration. Let us consider one another. What do you do? You want to stir up love. How do you stir up love? Well, there's different ways. But I'll tell you one way that you might do it is by loving you love them, and then they kind of get an idea, they get a taste of it, that's what love is, and then they start learning, well, that's kind of what I have to do. Good works, you do good works. Someone gave that food, they donated all that food. Start stirring things up. Well, hey, maybe I can do something like that. And the Holy Spirit will begin to lead. See, number one, the importance of, of, of consideration. Number two, the importance of congregation. Right here he says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some i mean there were some even back then you know they you're supposed to get together but they didn't get together and he says don't don't do that there is an importance of us gathering together and being there the days that we're living in right now covid is our interesting days I firmly believe with all my heart that maybe for some, I think of my mom. I think, oh man, if she got the virus, my mom is very, very physically weak. And so I'm trying to protect her. Some might say, well, maybe you're going overboard. I don't know. Because I get to hear you hear different things. We just got a prayer request from a nurse who's overwhelmed with all the COVID patients. I got a, a call from a pastor in Cornerstone. And, and not to... Not to put fear in everybody's heart, but I think you guys have heard the same thing I've heard about somebody who passed away. They were just as healthy as me, he said, same age, three days. So it's it's anomalies. There are things about it that we just don't know. I think for the most part, obviously, we're going to be safe. So you know, we're living in interesting days, but there are some who are using it as an excuse. There are some who, they go everywhere else, but they're like, well, I can't go to church, you know, because uh, I'm all dude. <laughs> Be careful. I mean, just like we're talking about the importance of being in the Bible, um, now we're going to talk about the importance of being in church. This is, is this your home church? I don't know. All I know is that there is, there is that importance of, of consideration. If, if less and less people have that firm conviction to be here, then you want to know what's going to happen. I'm just telling you the way it is straight out. your kids won't want to come. The next thing you know they don't come I mean it just it just flows it it just falls into place. I mean to me, ever since I became a Christian, day one, I knew I had to be there now there are times when you can't God knows totally understand, but if God's called you to be here, then you got to be here some people you know they they are playing it safe and that's between them and the lord i'm not here to judge them but i am here to tell you guys that we don't take this lightly if you're not fellowshipping here i I pray that you're praying for the church i pray that you're part of us in heart i pray that you're watching faithfully i pray that you are fellowshipping with other believers. And I don't say that because I'm worried about this church. I ain't worried about this church. This is Jesus' church. He's going to take care of his church. I'm more concerned for you, my friend. I mean, I don't want people just to survive the pandemic. I want people to thrive. If God allowed it, then he's got to have big, good reasons for it. And what we found during this whole time is God is starting to raise people up. Why? Because they're here. And they want to serve. And there's a need. I mean, Henry was mentioning, you got guys coming 6, 7 in the morning, setting up tents. There's a lot going on. And what we find is that the Lord says, hey, look at this verse right here. The importance of consideration. The importance of congregation and the importance of exhortation it says as is the manner of some but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching now if he said it then how much more us now there's that place of exhortation there's that place of of urging of pushing of pressing of encouraging do you realize what a difference it makes now some people they're very self-motivated You know, they they have that in them, but even those guys can use a friend to say, you can do this. Hey, you should do this. Like I was talking about earlier, you know, even me, I look forward to, Lord, bring people in our lives that are going to challenge us as a church, that are going to stretch us, that are going to make us stronger, that are going to encourage, that are going to push. That's part of what, Happens when we get friends that we fellowship with in the church. You know, I encourage you guys to be open to this. It's not a small and insignificant thing, it's fellowshipping with God. 1 John 1 3, it says, That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, and that's Jesus, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And so when we're talking about fellowship here, it's not just people. It's not just the church. It's fellowship with the Father. It's fellowship with Jesus. And according to 2 Corinthians 13, 14, it's fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful thing. It's harmonious. It's love. It's what the early church continued steadfastly in, in the apostles' doctrine in fellowship. You know, I think of the intensity of it, and I don't want it to be just, you know, because you guys have had maybe some coaches and they don't push you at all. You don't become half the athlete or half the musician that you were supposed to be because they were so soft on you. I mean, we're talking about fellowship. Proverbs 27, 17, that's intense. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And you hear the friction and the heat and the intensity and sparks fly. Why? Because I love you. Because I love you. And I know you're more than that. And God himself has placed a calling on your life. And God himself has gifted you and called you to more than that. You're going to what is, it, what is the world we need right now? Do we look to men? Do we look to human leaders? Do we look to government? I mean, that's like you're going to spit one to the war. No way. The church needs to be the church. And, and whatever part of the body I am. You got a drummer. You got different people that will bring what they need to bring. And, you know, you're in the word and, and you're in fellowship. Because if you don't have fellowship, then there's no accountability. There's increased vulnerability to the attacks of Satan. There's a tendency to compromise and fall back into sin. You're not challenged by the church. It hinders your spiritual growth. There's no encouragement from others. And your gifts are less effective and even, sometimes even non-existent. The last thing in the world you want is one day stand before God and he'll say, you know what? I got so much more for you. Fellowship. It's huge. You know, I've told you guys before about the redwood trees in California and how amazing they are. They're the largest living things on earth, the tallest trees in the world. And some of them are 300 feet high and over 2,500 years old, and you would think that trees so large, they've got to have a tremendous root system that reaches down hundreds of feet into the dirt, but that's not the way it is. The redwood trees are very different. If you were to dig down and examine the redwood's roots, you would find that all the roots intertwine with one another. They're locked to each other, And so rather than going down individually, they go out and they reach out to their redwood family. And so what happens when the storms come and the winds blow and the lightning flashes, the redwoods, they still stand and they grow tall and they endure over the years. How? Because they're not alone. They're trees that are rooted together. And that's a beautiful picture of fellowship. And we must continue in it. We must fight for this. We don't allow the world or the government or anyone fear. It does not take this from me. so important we understand the convictions of Scripture. You know, Acts 2.42, if you want to go back there. It says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. In the breaking of bread. And that's the third thing we see. And, and the breaking of bread, it, it, it's, it, I think the heart of that is communion, you know, where you guys, and we've talked about this, you know, you guys as families, me, I got to do this with my family, my friends. Hey, let's do communion together. You get some pita bread, you get some grape juice, you don't have to be a pastor, you don't have to be ordained. And you say, let's have communion together. What for? Because communion, every time you have communion, it's a remembrance of Jesus. It's a remembrance of how he died on the cross for us and shed his blood and washes away our sins. It's like, man, you're bringing Jesus right there in that sense into the focal point. And that's what they continued steadfastly in, in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread. Now, not, not just Jesus in the center, but Jesus' cross where he demonstrates his love. Do that. You know, you're with your friends and they say they're Christians. Why not ask? Hey, let's let's have communion. This is what they continued steadfastly in. But I don't think it's just communion because when you study the early church, you realize they had what was called love feasts. You guys remember that. And so, you know, they would just bring the food, and you guys know how beautiful that is. You're breaking bread, you're having dinner together, you're having a meal together, you're talking together, and, and it's just so beautiful to see. And even still, in my house, I've got to be honest with you, the highlight for me as a husband and as a dad is eating a meal with my family or you do that with your friends, what happens? You become one. When is Christ-centered? This is so beautiful. And this is what the early church did. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. And that's what you read here in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And so I wanted you to turn to Daniel chapter 6. And you guys know that when Daniel was taken from uh, Jerusalem to Babylon, he was a young guy, you know, probably 12 years old. Think about that. He was really young, but there was so much potential. He was gifted. Everybody noticed it. And so he was taken away to Babylon. And so most people would think, well, you are going to go to Babylon. You're going to ruin the guy. But this guy, he purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the king's delicacies. This guy was just so amazing. Daniel was so powerful, so strong, even in Satan's domain. Right Right there, and then you read the story, and it's just so amazing how God blesses him. And then chapter 2, you know, when the king realizes that in this young guy right here is the spirit of the Lord. And he saw it, you know, and it's just so beautiful how anointed he was. And then you look at the life of Daniel, and it covers a lot of years, probably all the way up to in his 90s. And you wonder, well, what was the secret of Daniel? And I think we read it here in Daniel chapter 6 when the, the world was basically trying to get to Daniel, trying to take him down. And, and they said, hey, you couldn't pray to anything or anyone else except for this image. And they knew that they could probably get Daniel in trouble that way. But Daniel didn't let him move him. Daniel did not let that decree stop him from praying. And so we read in Daniel chapter 6 in verse 10, It says right here, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day, and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. And then I think, personally, I think that's the secret. What was it that anointed him? What was it that gave him such longevity? What was it that allowed him to interpret dreams? What was it about this guy? One boy prayed. And he prayed. And he prayed. I know for sure he prayed all day long, because some people will use that as an excuse. Well, I pray all day long. Yeah, of course he prayed all day long. But he had those sanctified times, three times a day where he got down on his knees. Nothing would stop him. And he prayed. And he prayed. And he prayed. And, and, you know, we're going through life and whatever. Maybe you're happy with where you are, but maybe you're not and you're wondering, well, how do I get back on track? Sometimes you've got to learn how to walk again because what we're talking about right here is basic stuff. Well, You've got to continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That means you're reading your Bible like crazy. You have to be in fellowship. That's, you know, Christ-centered communion with your friends and family. That's, you know, hey, I'm going to be breaking bread. Communion communion and meals and that are just so beautiful with love and and then you know you you pray for daniel was three times a day I, i i love the concept of praying three times a day and i don't want to be legalistic and i want to be a pharisee but i'm talking about praying in the morning for sure. How are you going to go out on your day without praying? And then praying at noontime? Of course. You need sustained strength throughout the day. And then praying at night before you go to bed? What do you do right before you go to bed? Filling your mind with crazy stuff. This is part of the reason why I like this concept of this class. I, I, don't, I don't always do this. But I will never give up on want to I don't think we pray enough I mean I'll I'll just be honest you know like for me in waking up in the morning let's just say I prayed five minutes for my wife and five minutes for my daughter and five minutes for my son there's 15 minutes then I pray five minutes for myself maybe five minutes for confession five minutes for adoration Five minutes for help. There's a half hour right there just in the morning. That's what I try to do. In the morning, I pray for my family. At noontime, I pray for the pastors and their family and the overseers and their family. There's 16 couples. How much time does it take? At night, the prayer request for the church. You do the math. And then you realize why Jesus told Peter, man, couldn't you pray for an hour? We have time to do all the other things. I've been learning lately. I love to pray. It's me and my papa. Me and my dad. But the flesh hates it. And the devil hates it. Because he knows that's the key to your life, is your prayer life. You know, there was a time when Peter was doing so good. The guy loved the Lord so much. But then, you know, the Lord told Peter, Hey, Peter, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. And Peter's like, what are you talking about? These guys might, I would never deny you, Lord. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And then the day came and Satan, you guys remember the story? The Lord kept telling him, watch and pray, watch and pray. Hey, don't sleep, watch and pray. But remember what happened? Peter did not pray, he fell asleep. And next thing you know, Satan sifted him as wheat. But thank God. For God's grace, you know, of course, anyone who returns to him, anyone who says, I'm sorry, Lord, anyone who says, Lord, I want to get it right, he will always meet you there. And he met Peter there. And the next thing you know, it wasn't that much longer. It was only about, what, 50 days later, the Holy Spirit came and powered him. And he preached in Pentecost. And he spent the rest of his life living for the Lord. And when he died, they crucified him upside down. I'll bet you anything that Peter learned the importance of prayer. And that's why when you read 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7, he says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be watchful and serious in your prayer. And that's what we have to do. And you have to ask yourself, and I'm going to ask you guys right now, and I know it sounds kind of weird, but just, you know, ask yourself on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you rate yourself on your doctrine, on your Bible reading? On a scale of 1 to 10, where would you think the Lord would see you in your fellowship? On a scale of 1 to 10, how are you doing on communion? On a scale of 1 to 10, How are you doing on prayer? It's like the four legs of that that chair right there. If you got one leg missing, it ain't going to happen. And that's why a message like this, even though it's very basic, it's very fundamental, foundational, simple, it's very powerful. Why? Because we're being tested. Some people are falling away. The different reactions to COVID-19 they range everywhere from apathy to apostasy. So many are distracted with other things, other kingdoms. And they've lost sight of the kingdom of God. We're being tested. Huh? How many of you have been tested for COVID? I'm just curious. <laughs> oh, I don't want to do that. I'm sure one day I will. I know it doesn't hit your brain, but they say it feels like it. I don't know how it's all going to work. But we're not just being tested for COVID, you guys. We're being tested for other things. And so my prayer is that we would just come back uh, to the basics. As a church, it's an opportunity to rise to the occasion and come out as gold. It's not the, you know, uh, it's kind of crazy when you see what's going on with this virus. And, you know, they got the... Vaccine Uh, For us, the vaccine, the only thing that makes us clean is Jesus. And so my prayer is if, number one, if you don't know the Lord, if you're not a Christian, then don't leave the same way you came. Don't stop watching this video until you get your life right with Christ. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you if in the sincerity of your heart you say, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I commit myself to you. Jesus, I will follow you from this day forward. He will meet you there. If you're not a Christian, you need him. He's the vaccine. And if you are, my prayer, not just that you survive the pandemic, but that you would thrive through this pandemic, that you would come closer to God, that you would be planted in that church, that you would be used by Him in a tremendous way. As the new year begins, it's always an opportunity, I think, in many ways for a new beginning. No matter who you are, no matter what's going on, you're not too young, you're not too old, you're not too righteous, you're not too unrighteous. I mean the new beginning is right in front of us and so i pray if you don't come today at five o'clock that you get together with the lord and you have a plan you've got to have a plan you've got to have a goal how will i seek the lord he will show you the divine details lord i thank you for loving us i thank you for being so good to us lord I just know, Lord, that it's not complicated. It's deep, though, and it is hard sometimes. Give us wisdom, Lord. Bless your beautiful church. And I know, Lord God, and I've experienced it, that sometimes it's not even in that person. They can't even do it themselves. So make us strong enough to carry them. Carry them. Make us strong enough to put them up on top of the roof and put a hole there and, and to bring them down before you, Jesus, because these are crazy days that we're living in. I pray, Lord, you bless your people. And Lord, I know I am just a man. I'm a wretched man. But I know who you are. And I just pray for these people. God, that you would touch them, you would bless them, you would stir them up, and that you would do a great work. Give us power. Baptize us with the Holy Spirit. I love you. Thank you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together. Listen, you guys, if you need prayer, and just be honest, if you need prayer, pray with somebody. You might have a friend here um, that you feel comfortable praying with. If not, we're here to pray for you. I believe that it makes a difference. And you ask the Lord, what's the next step? And you watch your show.